You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Pasikala. What's the scariest thing that you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is a result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. How was your week, DJ? Ha. <laughs> 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 uh, pretty trash week, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Why is that? I'm not telling. How's your car? She's she's aight. How's your home? Apartment. <laughs> Welcome to 3 a.m. <laughs> this is your homeless and carless host, DJ. Uh, my name's Charlie. And my name is Sean. Both of us have a car and an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so it's been one of those weeks. Hmm. Sorry, man. It has been a week, but it, it's good. I have good people around me. Just make sure you didn't. Oh, thanks. Is this my citation that I left in the car? <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure you didn't leave it. Sick. Cool. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. <sighs> I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 3am. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. Uh, We're happy to have Sean back. He was up in Alaska, and he hasn't really told us about the trip, so we're excited to hear about it. Yeah, it was way fun. It's good to be back in the lower 48, as we call it now in Alaska. (laughs) How was Alaska, man? It was dope. It was like the mountains here in Utah, plus the green of the Pacific Northwest. And 
I'm probably going to move to Alaska now. Dude, when I went, I've been to Anchorage, and the whole time I was like, yep, Sean is moving here. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been. I say this all the time, but I want to go deep sea fishing so bad. Like a boy's trip. We could do it. Sean said he has to connect. Who's this connect? It's a girl, though, so she can't come. To the boy's trip? (laughs) You're sure she's a girl? Yes. Well, then you're right. She can't come. Gonna have to find a different connection then. <clears throat> All right, my dudes, let's do it. This week's question comes from we don't know, they didn't write their name, but we have the question. And the question is <laughs> It's a bad question. <laughs> it sounds like hit hit. If me. that makes Sean make that face, I'm scared. <laughs> if you were to commit a murder, how would you go about doing it? Oh my gosh. Nice try, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they watching and monitoring three AM pod already. Nice try, Officer Gasaway. <laughs> <laughs> shall we shall we go with another one or maybe oh. provide a different hypothetical like your family's going to die if you don't kill one person? How are you gonna do it so that you don't get caught? Oh, oh okay, so he just made nerfed it. Yeah, yeah, so that we're not quite as psychopathic. So hypothetically and allegedly in high school, I may have, with a group of people, <laughs> gone over this subject in detail. Allegedly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you know, there's some theories. There's some theories that are out there. What What did you have? No, I don't. I don't want to talk about those. <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> You're so dumb. I I don't know. That's tough. I would just ask the Clintons. Oh, oh, damn it, DJ. Now we're all going to die. You're just going to have to find someone in prison. <laughs> now we're all going to get Epstein. Epstein? Is that a new say. verb? Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, legit though, what I would do, so I have to kill a person or else my family dies? Yes. Okay. And if you don't like your and family, you not yourself. saying you do or don't, but if you don't like your family, think of someone you do like is going to die. Okay, and you can't kill yourself? Yes. How long do I have? 72 hours. Dang, that's not a lot. So I would go find a list of repeat child sex offenders. Okay. And try to find the worst dude. Mm-hmm. And kill him. How? Uh, I don't know, dude. I'd like... Carbon monoxide poisoning is kind of hard to like trace back and stuff. True. Make it look like a suicide. True. Yeah, that's my thoughts. Allegedly. Hmm. I would, the first thing that comes to mind is like acid. Throwing like their body in like some acid. Did you watch Breaking Bad, dude? I've seen some Breaking Bad. I couldn't watch it. You have 72 hours. Where are you going to get acid? Yeah, that's the thing. That's the first thing I think of is like, I don't know where I would go to get that, you know? Mm So... I would. I don't have an acid plug, so. Yeah. <laughs> I would take them out into the ocean and knock them out and just dump their body in the water. Disney Cruise style. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you got to weigh their body down or hope the sharks get it. Yeah, chum the water real quick. <laughs> chum the water real quick. <laughs> All right, Sean. <clears throat> the easiest way would be to just... Go and pull the plug on somebody in the hospital. <sighs> Fine. 
I guess. <laughs> that's way. But I would. That's so that. efficient. I hate you. <laughs> it's too easy. <laughs> yeah. No, I want blood. <laughs> you got to make sure they're a, a pedophile first, though. Oh, in that case, <laughs> then I'm driving a certain distance away from where I live that I'm not going to say so it's not recorded. Hitting up like a truck stop, picking up, you know, somebody. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Driving out further distance to where there's, you know, privacy. I hate how you're speaking right now. I feel perverted. (laughs) I feel like I'm a part of the crime. (laughs) And just do it, you know. How would you do it? Sean's like slowly strangulation looking into their eyes while the light dims. Exactly. And I feel the power rush into my body. <laughs> no, dude. Uh, nope. Um, <clears throat> Sean's really struggling right now with this. I'm not Because <laughs> he knows what he's going to do. He's and... turned from pink to red. <laughs> I'd pull the plug on someone in the hospital. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh. I used to ask this question to all of like my coworkers. Um, back in the day when I was bored mm-hmm. and so many of, of them were like, I just go on a hike and like go to like a lookout and just push someone over. I'm like, what if that's like a mother of four who's a good person? You know what I mean? Like no forethought for like who mm-hmm. knew. So it was just funny to hear everyone's sloppy ideas. Very true. You got to be clean if you're trying to get away with it. Anyway, great questions. I'm glad to be back with another episode glad to have sean back safely from alaska yeah it was really fun i uh was there for about a week and did a lot of exploring out in the wilderness did you see something dog bro i seen all kinds of wild animals there was you know i don't know some stuff that happens in the woods like there was this old cabin i found and then when i got closer there was someone in it are you serious you're lying i'm dead serious dead a person or multiples? A person. And they actually weren't in it. They were on the porch. So I get up closer, see them on the porch. I'm like, nope. <clears throat> so that happened. Was it like, in, did it look like a rundown cabin or was it like a... That cabin I sent that I posted on Instagram? I can't remember. That's what it was. I'm going to pull up this photo real quick. Let's see here. This cabin... Oh, yes, yes. And you you posted the question, should I explore this or not? To yeah. Everyone. Of course, everyone's saying yes from of the course. safety of their bedroom. <laughs> of course. Living room on Instagram. I'm okay living for other people, you know? So Sean is showing uh, DJ and I this picture of this cabin. Uh, we'll post it to the Instagram, but it looks like a rundown cabin. There's nothing around it. It's only the cabin and then a vast wilderness. Uh, All of the windows are boarded up. And it looks... In the photo? In the photo. Is there a person? Yes. Did you see that? I did not see the person when I took the photo. When I got closer, I was like, oh, shoot, there's someone there. He's covering his face in the photo. And he's just standing on the cabin looking out onto the lake where Sean is. That was a river. But or river. Yeah. Dope. So you went. Yeah, I went. Seen or you him. noped out. I seen him and then noped out. Okay. Well, that's the smart. That's the smart move. 
That's why Sean's here today. Exactly. Did you see anything else while you were there? <clears throat> um, besides wildlife, no. Hmm. But, but, when I was in Anchorage, as any normal person would do, I decided to go on a haunted ghost tour of the city. <laughs> Dude, that's, I was so jealous when he told me. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that, and then I didn't want to ask anything further because I just wanted to save it for this. So, yeah, DJ and I know nothing, so we're excited. Nice, mm. nice. Okay, so we're on this haunted ghost tour of downtown Anchorage. We're walking just through the streets, and this guy that's our guide is in full suit and top hat. Oh, like, oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> Greets you with beard, my lady. His white beard goes down to his chest. Like, he's, like, in it. Is this Colonel Sanders? Dude, it might be. There was a disappointing lack of chicken, though. So <laughs> I hate you. Keep going, though. Um, so we're walking through the streets of downtown Anchorage, and he takes us to this kind of back alley in downtown we get to behind these two buildings or in between these two buildings in this back alley and he stops. Once we all kind of get there, there was probably 10 of us in this group. He says, you're now standing on the location of the first unsolved murder in the history of Anchorage. So still unsolved. Still unsolved. Those are the best, bro. Dude, unsolved murders are so unsettling for me. And they don't sit well. (laughs) That's why they're the best, because there's zero closure. (laughs) You just sit being uncomfortable for the rest of your life thinking about it. This story's wild, too. Because he or she is still out there. Yeah. And may have other victims. Or died free, you know, without getting caught, you know? Okay, well, let's hear all right. So a little bit of backstory. Anchorage was a town that didn't exist in 1900. It was basically built up as a halfway point for the railroad that they were building down to Seward, Alaska, and up to Fairbanks. So it was basically the product of all of the railroad workers and people who were living there in the meantime. They're like, we just need a place to sleep. Yes. <laughs> um, with that being said the expected lifespan of the city was about six years because that's how long they were planning on taking to build the railroad. Now, right around 1920 is when the railroad was officially finished and the town officials decided, hey, we need to figure out how to keep people here because people are going to start leaving without work. Now, with the railroad workers and kind of lawlessness of the town, basically it was known for bootlegging, saloons, underground clubs, stuff like that. Which, by the way, there are tunnels underneath downtown Anchorage yes. from building to building. That's off limits unless you like get permission from like some of the shop owners, I think, mm. that own those places. So essentially, Anchorage was known as this place where there was bootlegging, saloons, uh, underground clubs, and the town officials... Sounds dope. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was with like these two families with children. They probably weren't thinking the same thing. But um, their plan was to ramp it up. We're going to have more saloons, more bootlegging, more everything, right? 
Anchorage is just this <laughs> lawless town that nobody knows about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, in their plan to do this, they needed to elect a sheriff. Now, the sheriff that they elected, his name was John J. Sturgis. Hmm. Now, John J. Sturgis is a 60-year-old man. They elected him because they assumed he would be a pushover, that he was, you know, he was with it. He would understand. Mm -hmm. And they could keep control of this city and bring more people in. So he was, like, down to, like, (laughs) let things happen. Exactly. Yeah. Now, after he was elected by the town officials... Turns out he's a straight-laced Boy Scout. Turns out to be a bitch. (laughs) And instantly, he starts shutting down bootlegging operations in the city. Mm. It's a good Eagle Scout. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this was in December 1920 when he was elected. Six weeks of being the sheriff of the town, and he'd shut down 14 different bootlegging operations. Dude, what a freaking dude, wet blanket. For real, dude. Stick in the mud. That's disappointing, bro. <laughs> Unfortunately, he did not live to week seven. February 1921. In the cold, dark of winter in Anchorage and in Alaska. I bet. Yeah, at that point, they haven't seen the sun for like two months. Yeah. And it's probably 30 degrees below. 30, 30 Fahrenheit. Anyone sneezing wrong is probably going to get killed. Yeah. Everyone's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> One night, John Sturgis and his wife sit down to dinner. And a phone call comes in. John gets up. He goes and picks up the phone. And by his wife's description, he had a heated conversation with whoever it was on the other end of the phone. Right after he hangs up, he grabs his jacket and his gun and leaves the house. Now, his wife doesn't know where he's going. He didn't tell her. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes later, she starts to get worried. Not really sure where he went. No one has heard from him. She called around. Now, <clears throat> about an hour and a half later, John Sturgis is discovered shot in this back alley with one bullet from his own gun. Oh. Now... Initially, the people who find him don't realize he's been shot because he's kind of convulsing. He's like having a seizure. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, it's just because he's freezing. Let's get him inside. They rush him inside and realize that he was shot. All of a sudden, this escalates. And they're calling the doctors in town. There's exactly three doctors in the town of Anchorage at this point. They, take, they get him to the hospital. All three doctors are called. All three show up. Now, if it were you, you're still alive, you may die, what's the one thing you're going to do? Bro, I would be saying the name of the killer. I'd be like, Sean Gassaway the bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So the doctors, (laughs) they don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to try and save him. John Sturgis dies that night. Sketch. Sucks, boy. Now, who did it? Did he say anything? The first suspect. Ooh, okay. Is our town officials that initially elected him as a sheriff to maintain the bootlegging operations. Right, because they thought he would keep status quo. Exactly. Okay. Now, all three doctors 
swear under oath that before they put him under, he did not tell them who shot him. So they sound sketch. There's a couple reasons maybe. They're afraid Mm. or they're in on it. Mm -hmm. Or he really didn't say anything. Like those are the three potential possibilities there. He either told them or he didn't. Yeah. (laughs) He either told them or... He didn't. Thank you, Detective <laughs> DJ. <laughs> Just here to do my job. <laughs> Thank you. Officer. <laughs> but under oath, it went to trial and it was closed up pretty quickly. They said he didn't say anything. As they were about to put him under, they asked. He told them all kinds of things, but didn't say who shot him. Bruh. So he had no comment on what went down. As far as we know. Suspect number two. Okay. He had shut down 14 bootlegging operations. Now, unbeknownst to him, at this time, that alley where he was shot, the building right next to where he was, was the site of one of the biggest bootlegging operations in the state at the time. He didn't know that. We don't know why he was there. He died about a quarter of a mile from where he lived. But some people suggested maybe it was this bootlegging operation that didn't want to be shut down but we don't know how they got him out of the house why he left suspect number three there was only one witness that said he took that phone call and that was his wife dude bro i was gonna throw her name out there i was too now the wife got married six months later it's too quick girl to a man who struck it rich in Fairbanks with gold and moved to Anchorage and became even richer. He opened, a, I think it was a suit um, store or something, clothing line or something like that there in Anchorage mm. and became even wealthier. But that was six months after. And her testimony that he took that phone call was the only testimony there was. Okay. If it was the wife, do you think she pulled the trigger? I don't think so because she would have had to have got him to go out with like a lie and been carrying the gun. Potentially. I don't know if there's a record like the the way the story was told to me is she made phone calls to other people to see if he was okay. So she so was, there has to she be was, record of her making those phone calls. She was calls. putting her like location. She was an alibi. Yeah. But it could have been the other guy. Uh, okay, so, do yeah, I don't, okay. My my thought with things like these are, it's probably the w- thing that makes the most sense. And hearing all three suspects, the thing that makes the most sense to me is just like other people o- owning saloons and bootlegging operations, like, we got to take this guy out. So that, that's what makes the most sense to me. If there's only three... Um, doctors in the whole city, easy to intimidate or pay off. And they were all there. Yeah. So that's that's my guess. Yeah, it definitely points to the, the fact that the doctors said he never said anything, which is suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're intimidated or scared. Why, why wouldn't you say anything? Um, exactly. I also thought maybe whoever attempted to murder him, Maybe threaten to say, if you say anything, I'll kill your wife too. Maybe, yeah. 
Now, our tour guide said for the longest time as he was doing this tour, and I think he said he'd been doing it for 12 years now, he really only knew of the murder. He takes this tour one day, and there are some ghost hunters in town. And they're just kind of enjoying the tour. And then all of a sudden, he brings up this murder, and one of them is like, wait, that sounds a lot like the Rambler. The Rambler was the name of one of the ghosts that they were trying to kind of capture uh-huh. and have record of that would walk the uh, streets from where his house was along the banks of Anchorage downtown near where he was shot. Uh, okay, and, so the <clears throat> the mayor, what was his name, John? The sheriff, his name was John. So John is potentially the Rambler. Potentially the Rambler. Now... What they said was he would, the ghost of the Rambler would stop along these banks and kind of look into these little, uh, what do you call them, like troughs or something with water would fill up. Mm-hmm. But one other, another name for it are bootlegs. And so they're like, whoa, it could have been number two. Mm-hmm. Could have been the bootleggers. Ah, uh, okay. But we don't know. There, it's To this point, we don't know. Alaska, in a lot of ways, to me, is still lawless. Do you know what I mean? Like, they they have government. They have, like, they have, like, a town and everything there up there. But, like, when you get there, it just has a different feeling of, like, real danger. I think it also comes from, like, the mystery of it. It's, like, equally charming, but I think there's, out of all the places in the U.S., like Alaska has the most untouched land, you know, like there are places in Alaska where I feel like people have never been or just very few people have a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's why it was possible to do a lot of things like you were mentioning because no one was governing it. Yeah. It does kind of have that feel though. Like you're saying like just mystery or, or like consequences are real up there. You can't just take a stroll. You know yeah, what I mean? True. You have to be smart and about yourself or like know how to handle. Straight up, I was on this hike by myself because I went by myself. I get to the top of this lookout. Two minutes after I got there, I see this giant moose coming up the trail right behind me. And this thing had to have been six foot, seven foot tall and his antlers. Not even including the antlers? No, the antlers were like, what is that, five feet across? Uh-huh. And I'm just looking at it like, Wow, I must have walked right past you on my way up here and did not see you. You're lucky, dog. (laughs) My cousin-in-law, who has lived in Alaska for like five years, he said the scariest thing to him up there is not bears, not wolves, not any other thing. It's moose. Like, that's the thing that scares him the most. It was scary. It was about 30 feet away from me. Like, I I didn't have anywhere to run. I was at the top of this trail, and it it was on a peak. So it's walking down on this trail right below it, or right below me, and then kind of just keeps going down the hill. And I was like, thank oh, goodness. Goodness, dude. Those things will curb stomp you, bro. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do. The sheer size charged. of that is terrifying. Oh, it If was I saw a terrifying. moose like that, like staring at me that close, I would just run towards it. And like, it stopped and for a brief second, too. Like at one point, it stopped, and I was like, I'm dead. It'd That's- be like trying to fight like a jungle gym. <laughs> just slide like attacking you like ah! <laughs> 15 foot slide thing i kind of had in my mind like that 
image of Legolas and Lord of the Rings grabbing onto the Oliphants and jumping on their back. And I was like, bro, that's going to be me. I'm sure that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> right before I die. That was real footage. Still only counts as one, though. Um, so, as you're telling your story, I was not planning on covering this. So, I'm just going to give you a little bit and maybe we cover it more later. All right. So, in the 1970s, a string of disappearances of women happen in Alaska. Oh. So it's in the 1970s. It's in the middle of the boom of Anchorage with the new oil line. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with the boom of Anchorage and this new pipeline, um, it brings like a lot, an influx of people. And some of those more seedy characters. So in come a lot of sex workers, uh, erotic dancers. I don't know. What's the politically correct term? Uh-huh. A stripper. That's politically correct. So hella scrippers start coming up. <laughs> mm. um, and with that, pimps. And so Anchorage is booming. And in the seventeen or 1970s, a ton of women start going missing. And so with this, like, <clears throat> a ton of people coming in, a ton of people would leave. Um, people would go up there to get work. Some of them would find work. Some of them wouldn't. So it was like a lot of transition, right? And so no one noticed these disappearances. Mm -hmm. So it takes a a while before anyone to notice this is going on. They finally put the dots together and they figure out that this man named Robert Hansen, who has a family and children, and he runs a bakery shop in Alaska, confesses to killing... 17 women oh and raping over 30 oh and this is just what he confessed to so at first what he would do is if a lady caught his eye that's who he would target and he would kill them but very quickly he realized if he targeted sex workers prostitutes that they were no one was paying attention to them or tracking them so he quickly switched um, what he would do is he would abduct them and he would take his private plane and fly out to the Nit River. I think it's in the northeastern part of Anchorage. And he would do a couple things. One, he would rape them and he would sometimes say, if you tell anyone, I'll kill you. And then he'd like take them back. Or other times he would you know, rape them, then kill them. But what he really liked doing was he would take them out there, have his way with them, and then let them go in the wilderness. Damn. And he'd give them some time, and he'd load his rifle, and he'd put on his jacket, and he'd hunt them. Fuck, dude. So only 13 bodies have ever been found out of the 17 that he confessed. Um, he grew up in Iowa... And as a kid, he burnt down like a school bus garage or something like that. Um, and then he moved to Alaska in the 1960s. His wife and kids, no idea. And he was given the nickname the the Baker Butcher. So uh, Mr. Hansen was convicted in 1984 after confessing to killing 17 women, many of them dancers and prostitutes, during a 12-year span. He was convicted of four of the murders in a deal that spread or that spared him having to go to trial 17 times. 
So he was serving a 461-year ser- er, sentence. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, but he died recently. And when I say recently, <laughs> I mean, I think in 2014. <laughs> oh, okay. That's pretty recent still. Mm. How did they find out that it was him? So in this article that I read, so I, I, I literally, as Sean was talking about Anchorage, I just remember hearing the story. So that's why mm-hmm. I haven't done like research. And in the article I read, it didn't say how they caught him, but it did mention a deputy's name or a, a detective's name who was like a huge part of why they caught him. Mm-hmm. So that's all I know. Mm-hmm. So it said Glenn Floth. F-L-O-T-H-E. That was like the detective who had a ton of leads. He was a trooper who helped put Mr. Hansen behind bars. Dang. But that's literally like movie level terrifying. Yeah. And in fact, they made a movie with Nicolas Cage on it. (laughs) Not the bees! (laughs) (laughs) What what were you going to say? Sorry. Dude, it's kind of crazy. In Alaska, they, as we're going through this tour, the uh, tour guide said, there's a saying here in Alaska called, they must have gone on to the next camp because so many people would get killed, but everybody was from somewhere else. And in fact, a lot of people would change their name once they got there. No one knew who they really were. If they died, the uh, authorities would just, hey, must have gone on to the next camp. Oh, I mean, it's an easy way to like not do extra work. 100%. What can you do at that point? You don't know who they are, where they're from. Also, if all I have to do to get a private plane is be a baker... (laughs) I need to change my vocation, man. <laughs> I think up there as well, like, first of all, it was in the 1970s when you could buy a house for like $400, so true. <laughs> you got to chill on that, Facts. but up there too, it's like a lot of your way of getting around is private little... Sure. Points. No, no. That makes sense. <laughs> Ugh. That's I, just like, um, is it North Fox Island? Gosh, we're getting into it? Why not, bro? North Fox Island was in Michigan. Uh huh. And this took place in the seventies. I want to say, mm-hmm. but it was basically a summer camp for troubled boys. Fly them in, and they just turned it into a sex ring. Hooked them up with powerful people, and that went on for years. So word gets out about what's happening on this island, and the authorities. They're like, hey, go get them. The people are like calling for justice. And the authorities are like, yeah, okay. And they give the guy something like 15 days, 30 days before they attempt to go get him. And by then, he's fled the country to Europe. Oh, my gosh. Because he was connected with so many powerful people, allegedly. So I think he's at large today. But people connected to the island were caught, just not the guy who was running it fugitives i want more stories on that interesting when i first moved up here a lot of us met at a brazilian restaurant and uh we were all or charles was a bartender there his wife was a bartender there a lot of us were servers and there was one kid who started working there who was from brazil but his last name was steltzer and in hawaii i'd never met any brazilians you know so i was like how are you from Brazil and your last name Steltzer? And he's like, well, my ancestors come from Germany. And apparently they were Nazis who fled to Brazil. And that was like the first time I heard about that. And apparently a ton of them fled from oh, yeah. Germany Brazil, to South America, Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. yeah. And that's, 
so crazy to me. There's a large chunk of the population who believe Adolf Hitler died in Argentina. I've heard that too. Uh-huh. There's places in like the jungle where you can go and there's huge like swastikas and Nazi paraphernalia because there was enough of them going down there. Hmm. Bruh. I mean, we basically had a draft of like the world had a draft pick of the Nazi scientists and we got like the first pick. The guy who made NASA, so just saying, look into it. <laughs> anyway, that's just like when you're talking about Alaska, I literally thought about it while you were talking. Mm. Oh, 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 Fox Island, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you really want to know, like, deep dive into Fox Island, I shouted them out before, but Crime Junkies did an episode on it, and it is intense, and it is trigger warning. It's, yeah, it's rough. Hmm. The, the ghost story that, or not the ghost story, this unsolved murder mm-hmm. that uh, your tour guide top hat, Colonel Sanders, was sharing. Dude, he <laughs> sounds like a ghost, bro. I think you took a tour from a ghost. He was the rambler <laughs> yes. or whatever. Bro. Um, He's like, this is where I wish, I mean, this is where uh, dude was shot. Yeah. <laughs> was that the only story you shared? Did he have more? Oh, he had, he had plenty of stories. Bro, share. As we were on our tour. First of all, you're a bastard because you were like, I have two minutes of stories. <laughs> well, I didn't. I wanted to under promise over deliver. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. Continue. <laughs> As we're on our ghost tour, we stop in front of this one building and he looks across the street. He asks, are any of you staying in that hotel? Oh, gosh. And after <laughs> all of us said no. <laughs> you. After all of us said no, he's like, okay, well, we're not going in there because that's the one ghost on this tour that I don't show anyone. Whoa. Because it's the most violent ghost in Anchorage. Oh, I thought you were going to say, yeah, that's the hotel I'm staying at. That's why I was <laughs> laughing. Dude, that's terrifying. That is scary. Now, to like know there's something even he is like not comfortable with, now, that's scary. He said that it had been a part of the tour for a long time. Mm. And after, and also as he's telling this part of the story on our tour, he mentions that he's a skeptic. Interesting. Like he has all this information of the history and the ghosts that are in Anchorage, but he considers himself a skeptic. That immediately makes uh, you so much more believable to me. Do you know what I mean? I kind of, I kind of agree. So he says, in the basement of this hotel, there's a bathroom. And one day, one of the workers that was working in the hotel discovered the body of a woman in one of the stalls in this bathroom. Now, to their knowledge, it was a suicide. It looked like a suicide. Now the door had been locked and that's kind of how they found the body. It had been locked for a long time. All of a sudden the guests are complaining. They go in, find out that she's dead in there. Now the person that had died was a drifter. Mm. She was a homeless person that just happened to be in Anchorage. No one knew who she was or where she was from. And this, I want to say 1960s, somewhere in that time. Now all of what he's saying doesn't necessarily sound scary to me. I'm like, okay, this it's a ghost, right? And then he starts telling about the things that he's seen. 
And as he mentioned, it used to be part of the tour. He tells about this one tour that he took. It was probably about 20 people. And from the sound of it, it was a bachelorette party where one of the girls that was in this group was, to his words, the most annoying person he'd ever met (laughs) and the most disrespectful person he'd ever taken on a tour. Bro, I'd be uncomfortable with that. So literally she was... So she's like taunting and stuff or what? Taunting and like saying, this is all fake, you're fake, all this kind of stuff. He uh, takes them into this hotel and it's a girl's bathroom, so he stays out. He never goes in. He invites the women that are on the tour to go into the bathroom and take pictures or whatever. And the one girl that's super annoying to him doesn't go in. She's like, "This this is bullshit. I don't believe any of this. Yeah. And two minutes after waiting there, she's like, she whips out her phone. You see this? I'm going to prove that you're a liar with this. Walks into the bathroom. A minute later, she storms out. I was like, how did you do this? How did you do this? And he looks at the photo, and there's like a clouded figure that you can see in that stall. Now, all the other girls are coming out, and their photos, there's nothing. So to that point, she kind of shut up the rest of the tour from what he said. But she was freaked out, and he was kind of freaked out at this point as well. On another instance, he takes another tour, and as this part is still included on the tour, they go into the basement of this building, and they're standing outside this bathroom, and one of the women that is on this tour all of a sudden passes out. She just, like, hits the floor, and they're, like, freaking out. They're, like shaking her she wakes up a minute later they're like talking saying what happened she said i don't know i just kind of felt really heavy and then something started whispering to me to kill myself oh and i passed out and he's like nope no we're getting out of here and i believe yeah that's the last thing you hear man oh yeah i I guess it doesn't matter (laughs) but passing out is hella disorienting so just like that whole experience would would be damaging that'd be intense yeah now he said i think that was the last time he took people into the basement of that building and then he mentioned the first person that died in that bathroom wasn't even the scariest there was a copycat suicide in 1982 that was this older woman who stayed at the hotel across the street from this other hotel and she stayed there for like a week and got all of her affairs in order had letters sent out to all of her family and friends whatever she was doing giving them or whatever have you Trying to put things in order before. Yeah. Hmm. Then one morning she wakes up, goes into the basement of that building, in that stall, closes it, and kills herself. Okay, and this is dark. Do you know how? Um, I want to say hers was pills. 
I was going to say, it's not common for women to like shoot themselves. No, that's what he said too. He mentioned that it wasn't common for women to shoot themselves. I don't remember how he said the first person died though. I think it was ingesting something though. Mm -hmm. Same as the second, but it was actually pills Hmm. for the second. So to that point, he doesn't take anyone into the basement of that building anymore and believes that that's the most violent ghost in the city of Anchorage. What's this hotel called? Dude, it was a Motel 6, bro. <laughs> I can't remember what it was called, actually. Hotel Travaga. Ramada. <laughs> Queen, La Quinta. La, La Quinta. La Quinta. <laughs> What's the hotel on The Shining? The Stanley. The Stanley. Oh, dude, probably. Damn, dude. I was kind of hoping you were going to say that annoying bitch like came out with like a huge like gash on her arm or something, and she's like, ah. <laughs> that would have been wild dude if i were that tour guide and i get like any annoying people i'd be like you know what i don't you know, normally go here but let's go here I'm like you right. go in first <laughs> yeah make sure you spit on that toilet yeah, yeah. i probably would have done the same thing <laughs> if you really don't believe well she was hesitant to go in at first because she was like i don't believe this she's probably putting on a front because she was actually scared that's so the worst probably. type of person i know it's like this is it's like dumb they, they eat all the food and at the end they're like this is trash <laughs> Just like, then why did you consume yeah, it yeah, yeah. for real i'm gonna get my money back <laughs> dang bro that's crazy so in addition to that he said that this basement bathroom had been remodeled mm-hmm. and mentioned that one reason that ghosts become extremely violent is the uh, environment in which they killed themselves or died unexpectedly is changed. That makes sense. It's been disturbed. Yeah. It's been disturbed, and all of a sudden they're disoriented and lash out. And so that's one of the reasons kind of figured houses they could build on Indian burial grounds. There's all of a sudden, you know, like ghosts haunting them. Mm. Like, oh, I was buried. What is this cookie cutter home doing here? Along, along, so you said Native American burial ground getting disturbed. Have you guys ever seen the movie Poltergeist? Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. So there's a scene where I think the boy, the son, falls into a pool outside. Like they're digging a pool and it gets filled up with water because of the storm. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all these bodies start floating up. Fuck, dude. Do you remember that scene? I do, bro. <laughs> what, what movie is this? Poltergeist. Deadpool. <laughs> and if you have any stories please submit them <laughs> bro i almost quit <laughs> i'm so sorry no but they're filming this movie the boy falls into the deadpool and all these bodies start floating up right yeah they used real cadavers no dude in the filming of that movie <laughs> dude that boy is haunted for oh. sure now. so you can look next time you watch the movie or you can look up stills those are real like skeletons oh <laughs> yeah so there you go for that reason i'm out mm. <laughs> i was like maybe i don't want to be a child actor <laughs> that's wild bro it was yeah it was kind of spooky too and the fact that he wouldn't take us in there kind of added to the to the the scariness of that you should have slipped him a 20 right bro 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 take, take us in there yeah i mean i know we all down here i'm speaking for the rest of the people there was that all that he had there are a couple other stories he had that weren't necessarily scary, hmm. just kind of ghost stories hmm. and experiences that people had had. In fact, I think at the end of the tour, he brings us to this building where he said, this hotel now is famous for the amount of ghosts that live here. 
In fact, they uh, will refund you your money if you see a ghost in your room and don't want to stay. Like it's because that's of, how common it is. Because it's how common it is. Like they tell people their their hotel is haunted when you go there, but there is instances where people aren't paying attention, don't know, and they'll refund them. Dude. But he never mentioned like how ghosts got into that building. So I'm not like that wasn't really scary to me. It was just kind of like, well, that's weird. We have to go stay there. That's sick. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that video? And this is a video <laughs> on YouTube, but there's report it's some hotel i'm pretty sure it's here in the states but they get calls from people staying in the rooms next to this one room and there's just screams coming from the room so they send somebody up to go look the doors open uh while he's walking towards the room in the hallway he hears the screams you hear on like the security like the cctv footage gets in showers on Nobody's in there. Have you seen that video? I think so. Is I it like a, so? Uh, yes, I have. Is it two guys? I can't remember. It's been a while. It is one of those clickbait videos, but it's one of those that's like still like stuck in my mind. Is that the one where he goes into the room and then as he's in the room, you see? Yes, you see something come out of the like room, like a shadow, like a shadow yeah. come out of Some the room and blurry, walk down the yeah. hall. Yeah, dude, that yeah, that was spooky. Spooky. Um, yeah, that, that's just something that popped in. You know how we've, we've talked about like imprinting? Mm-hmm. Hotels are always a weird place where it feel you can like feel just an essence. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It's like oh. so many stories are flying through the air and you can almost pick up on them. Why do you think that is? I don't know, man. I think energy is residual. I think it hangs around. I think it. what adds to it is the sheer amount of people who go through that one specific place. Yeah. yeah. You sleep on a hotel bed. How many people have slept on that bed? Hundreds. How you many know? dead sex workers have been stuffed under the, that mattress? Oh, okay. That Several. Heavy, bro. <laughs> but seriously, though, dude. I Okay. I checked into... We were down in Florida just visiting, and this is Florida. Dude, Land Florida of man? death. Yeah. <laughs> Flor- yeah. Florida man is everywhere. And we like last minute found a hotel and checked into it. It's a smoking room. Oh, I think I have cancer. That's now. the worst. <laughs> After one night, um, but every Second piece hand. of furniture had burn holes in it. It was oh, sketchy. Dude. There was like a needle in the parking lot, and I was like, "Drug deals or death has happened in this room for sure." Yeah, the, the sure. furniture was broken. It was rough, bro. That is rough. I slept fully clothed. <laughs> Smart, like in my shoes. <laughs> I would too. But then we were also talking in this very same episode how in the most remote places like Alaska, <laughs> you also get that unsettling feeling mm-hmm. because no one's been there. Dang. Yeah. So I don't know. Just like comparing and contrasting like the two different extremes. Yeah. Like that's interesting. I wonder if it's maybe it's just us <laughs> not being confident with wherever we're at or yeah. i don't know it's just insane insecurity inside of us <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't matter where you are what's going it's on like, i don't feel good yeah you just assume it's bad but i don't know maybe it's just your mind playing tricks but i wasn't popular in we, middle school yeah <laughs> we've talked about you know both of these extremities in the same episode it's kind of funny but dude i okay so i actually have kind of an experience with hotels and i wasn't going to share this either but i feel inclined 
So when I was 16, one of my best friends, his mom was a flight attendant. And she said to me, hey, we're going to Spain for a month. Do you want to come? And Hell I was like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm 16 and I'm, I have never really traveled out of the country. And I was like, yes, I want to go. So by miracle from above, I get my passport within like two weeks. And I had to drive to San Francisco, a whole shebang. And I'm on a plane in business class going over to Spain. And it was amazing. We, went, we landed, we touched down in Spain on New Year's in northern mm. Spain. And it's known as Basque country. That's the culture, the people up there. Mm-hmm. And so we're landing on New Year's and I'm watching bombs and like fireworks go off everywhere. <laughs> it was weird. That's dope. It was crazy. It's like you're flying into this war zone. <laughs> it is kind of sketch. Like two days after we landed, the same airport that we landed in had a bombing. Oh my god! So it is kind of sketch up there. <laughs> but we're going all around the countryside. We are visiting all these places. And in, in Europe, time is a lot different than America. You know, to us, 200 years is old, right? Mm-hmm. 200 years in Europe is nothing. So... Disclosure, I have, I was kind of a hooligan growing up, and I was pretty lotless, and I've reformed a lot of my ways. So <laughs> our game, basically we'd touch down in a city, and my friend's mom would be like, it'd be like Monday, and she'd, she'd say like, uh, we'll see you Thursday for dinner. See ya, here's your hotel key. So <laughs> we're, we were two 16-year-olds, I think we were 15, let loose in the city. So we did whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was around the time that I allegedly used to steal a lot. Allegedly. So, bro, we were lifting everything. <laughs> everything. We'd go to these markets and just like, let's see how much we could get. It was bad, bro. We got chased out of stores and stuff trying to smuggle out sweatshirts. <laughs> oh allegedly. I don't know if that happened. That might have been a dream. Okay. So we get to this hotel and it is a bona fide Spanish castle over 500 years old. It has suits of armor inside, tapestries, and this is our hotel. That's sick. Bro, you're walking through. It's like Game of Thrones. It's like a ho- It's like a castle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even at a young age, I'm obsessed with Supernatural. And my friend is kind of like Jordan in that he got really scared a lot. So it hits like 12 a.m. And I'm like... I'm not staying in this castle and not exploring every inch of it. Oh, 100%. Mm. You're coming with me. Damn. You guys solemnly swear you're up to no good (laughs) in this castle. Bust out that Marauder's map. (laughs) Uh, I think we had had, um, procured flashlights earlier in the day. (laughs) (laughs) You crafted them. (laughs) I put a battery and like a metal piece to get... No. Uh, So we leave our room... And it is like torch lit hallways, mm. like velvet walls. Dude, that's so sick. That's Terrifying. So sick. It is dead silent in this castle, dead of night. Um, we go down to the basement where they have these huge ballrooms, and there's just like rows and rows and rows of stacked chairs covered in sheets and stuff. Wow. And I'm on the ground crawling under them, like looking around. <laughs> We go up to the top store or the top story and there's this courtyard that looks straight out of Harry Potter. It like has these like stone arches, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And in the corner, there's this recess that's blocked by a plant. And so I go over there and there's like a space behind this plant. So I look behind the space and in the back corner, there's a little nook. So I go back there and there is this skinny door and it has a handle and I'm just staring at it. And I look at my homie Noah and I'm like, let's do this. Turn the handle and it opens. (laughs) Narrow spiral staircase up made out of stone. And we like go up the staircase and we are in a bell tower. That's dope. And there is about a foot of bird crap on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And all you can see is rafters, like um, spaced out like about two feet in between. Mm -hmm. And so we climb up this stone. No, we climb up this wooden ladder and we're like scaling over probably a 30 foot drop in this 500 year old castle. Find another door up there, open it up another stone spiral staircase and we come out on the roof of this castle and it, my mind Bruh. is just blown dude and we're we're walking around on the outside on the roof of this castle in spain and i'm like this is the craziest thing i've ever done in my life and we go back go to our hotel room and like go to sleep but it was just the weirdest i don't know it was cool that's so much fun it was insane it's like one of my best memories i have yeah that would have made it bro i'd have been like especially as a teenager it's like you still have a lot of kid in you and discovering things like that like in the middle of night especially in a foreign country you're literally on an adventure it was wild yeah uh and then we came back flew back landed in the u.s got a layover in chicago and had to stay in a hotel mm. and our our room was right next to the elevator and you knocked on the door and an old lady came out yeah <laughs> i said i told you your mom no. <laughs> is not here no uh we stayed in the hotel room right by the stairs and i think one of the staff or something told us it was called the murder room because if you're going to kill someone you kill them by the stairs and that's how you get away quickly who says that? A dickhead, bro. Yeah. We were oh, I brought your bags the whole night. Up. By the way, this is the murder room. We <laughs> open the door to the room and everything in the interior is red. The bed, the sheets, the walls, the furniture. It was like magenta red. I would red. hella tell people that this is the murder room. <laughs> we don't know if people have been killed here, but if you wanted to do that, this is where you would. Yeah. Anyway, those were my two experiences from <laughs> hotels when yeah. I was 14, 15. That reminds me of when I was living in the Philippines, there was a house that we were assigned to live in and it's like the area that we worked in as well. And this house, I pull up, it's pink and it looks like a castle. Like the top of the house is cut in a way where it looks like it looks like a castle where you know like where, like the, where the archers stand in between <laughs> yeah that's what it looked like and uh we walk inside there's like red velour drapes old chandeliers in the philippines yeah in the philippines and come to find out this place was a funeral home and our kitchen counter was where they used to prepare the bodies F no, and you had to live there? <laughs> I, I lived there, yeah. I was there for three months. And the room that we, our bedroom was like the viewing room. The Valordrate was like halfway through the room. And on the other side was the bathroom. Like there wasn't a door to the bathroom. It was just those 
red drapes and it was just creepy you know um but we never experienced anything there and i never felt like there was anything creepy it was just weird and That's not okay bro. yeah not like not okay that i lived there and slept in that place and prepared food where bodies dead bodies were also prepared Ugh. but that was that um this is episode 16 i think yeah yep yeah which is crazy we've been going at this for how long when was our first episode years yeah, we've done an episode a year. It's wild. <laughs> no, I, I can't remember. When did we start? February? I think we dropped our first step in March. Mm-hmm. Nice. Started recording in like February yeah, around yeah. there. Yeah. And every episode we've been plugging our email. And <laughs> uh, we have never shared any of the stories that people have sent in to us. I think it's time. Mainly because we've been waiting to it's build about them up. Damn time. Yeah, I know. It really <laughs> is. You know, people, people are like, are they actually, like, is anyone actually sending stories? Yes, there are people sending stories. Dude, straight up, though, it's been so fun mm-hmm. to read these. Mm-hmm. I have read some good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've gotten a good handful of them. Like I said, we've just been kind of saving them up. We're going to start sharing them slowly. Um, this one comes from a day oneer. Her name is Autumn, and she's from Florida. Gang, bro. Uh, and this is... Is this Autumn, Autumn? We this all... is Autumn, Autumn. Dude, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have, like, kind of a crush on Autumn. <laughs> Every time she comments or likes our stuff, which she always does, we just text, like, our group chat, and we're like, yo, Autumn, like, likes our episode, and she said she likes this It was about a good it. episode. Yeah, it was a good yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we judge how like the quality of our content based on how much you guys like our stuff, and Autumn's been one of those, so thank you. Um, but this is an experience that she had with her boyfriend, and she's not sure if this was like sleep paralysis or something. Um, but both of them had fallen asleep before... Uh, her, her boyfriend falls asleep first, Um and he's big spooning her. He has his his arm around her, um, and he's out cold. And uh, that's the last thing she remembers. Uh, so she falls asleep, and she wakes up, or is she's either she's either woken up or she's dreaming that this is happening. But she's in the same place, and the arm around her like starts getting tighter and tighter and tighter. To the point where it's pretty hard to breathe and really uncomfortable. Uh, She says that she thinks that this was a dream, but it felt way too real. And it was in the exact same place um, with the exact same thing that was happening from before she went to sleep. And in these moments, it always feels like, even if it's like a few seconds, it feels like minutes to hours. Yeah, it feels like forever, which is what she explains. And she didn't know what to do. Um, but she got, she, obviously she's really scared until the point when she can't breathe, she feels this warm breath of air on the back of her neck and a whisper saying, he can't hear you. There's no point in struggling. And at that point, pure panic, you know, before that she was already terrified, 
that just this is a whole new level. Yeah, that's like a whole new level. This is gasoline on the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, she describes that she's never been more scared in her entire life because a voice that she heard was not her boyfriend. So she tried super hard to move, scream, push his arm off, anything. She couldn't move. Um, and the thing wasn't lighting up either. She hears the voice again and it's closer to her ear and it like eggs her on and says, do something. Why aren't you doing anything? I have chills. <laughs> um, and she says she could sense like it was smiling or something like it was. You can tell when someone's smiling and they're saying something. Yeah. Malicious. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like right now, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do something. But um, in the middle of all that, there was one point where she says she described it as she snapped awake. She sits up real quick, turns around, and her boyfriend is sleeping on the other side of the bed, facing the other way. So she she goes to the bathroom. She like looks at her stomach. There's no marks or anything. Um, and she went back to her bedroom, writes this experience down in her journal. Damn. Um, says she's never been more scared in, in her entire life. Yeah. Um, still doesn't know what happened or whose voice that she heard. She just knows that it was a man's voice. Sounded dark like it wanted to hurt her. And it pretty much was because she couldn't breathe. Um, she ends up asking the boyfriend the next morning if... Uh, he heard her making any weird noises like that, or if he felt her struggling or moving, um, he didn't hear or feel anything. But uh, yeah, that was her experience. Um, she doesn't know if it was sleep paralysis or if it was a real thing. I don't know. Yeah. But have you ever had like a sleep paralysis that bad where it felt that physical? Not that no. bad, bro. I've never heard someone speak. I have seen things. One time when I was living in Australia, I was sleeping on a cot and I felt pushed down into the cot like six inches. And that was probably the hardest pressure I ever felt. But dude, that is terrifying. Mm -hmm. The whispering in the ear, the warm breath on your neck. The uh, you, All of you guys have seen Get Out. Yeah. yeah. I think they do... A really good job at portraying what sleep paralysis feels like to me at least the part where he's getting hypnotized what is that called you're in the the sunken place yeah and she is hypnotizing him with the the tea she's like swishing her her teaspoon like around and then she taps the the cup of tea and then she says sink and then like the sound yeah and everything just like and like he just like almost like falls into himself mm. on screen in a movie that was like my favorite representation of what sleep paralysis is like like in the movie that wasn't he wasn't going through sleep paralysis he was getting hypnotized uh -huh. but i just thought like oh, that's what it feels like that's what it sounds like even sometimes to me for sure dude dude the movie version of her story is in the middle of like her feeling the ultimate and like the squeezing and the yeah, whispering right on her ribs like she can see into the dark bathroom and the light turns on in the bathroom and her boyfriend's in there and all of a sudden it's like gone. That would be terrifying. 
<sighs> that but it doesn't need to be juiced up at all that is yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's crazy as it is so thank you autumn thank and you. everyone else who has sent stories we'll get them out no worries but nice hey autumn thank you from all of us here we For appreciate real. it and there is more coming soon so in the last episode i left a cliffhanger and i said that i had received a story that i think was one of our best submissions that i've seen come through and i was going to share it this episode Mm -hmm. so i will share it next episode (laughs) (laughs) you dickhead (laughs) yeah charles has this awesome formula of leaving us on the on the cliff's edge (laughs) anyway so get prepared next week to jump off that edge into fear (laughs) uh but yeah dude thank you so much i'm glad you're back same and alive there yeah. was some spooky stuff happened, you know what I'm saying? We are going out of state this weekend. Yep. Hopefully we can get some more stories or go exploring. But we uh should ask Jordan's grandparents. Uh, they probably have some good stuff. We're gonna yeah. go stay in the super secluded cabin in the middle of the Montana wilderness. Mm-hmm. And it's actually Jordan's grandparents, and it might be the last time we see him before he leaves for uh, graduate school in mm. China. Mm. So let's be honest; it might be the last time we see him ever. Yeah, because <laughs> of what's going happening. on. <laughs> we might find himself in a cage. You know what I mean? Boycott the Mulan movie. Thank you for <laughs> listening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can get some stuff out of that. Either or, it's going to be fun, and I'm sure we'll bring some stories back for future episodes but uh until then you guys out there bye lovey be safe trust your gut watch your back thanks for listening bye see ya My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mihaljevic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast killer podcasts and slow burn media production subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows hi i'm matt harris seaton tucker and i host the podcast impact of influence which for two years covered in depth Alec murdoch who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife maggie and son paul that story continues to evolve and we will cover that plus we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.